The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 22 on Wednesday, March 31st, I have the co-host of Pitcherless in the Deep podcast, Jordan White. Jordan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Austin. It's nice to be here. I am glad to have you. Now, for everyone else listening, each week I'll be joined by a writer from the Pitcherless staff. We'll talk baseball, we discuss what they've been working on recently, and we like to do a mailbag at the end where we answer your questions. So... If you would like to send those questions in, you can send them directly to me on Twitter at Bristowski, or even easier, you can join our Pitcherless Plus Discord server. That is, if you are interested in that, head over to pitcherless.com slash plus. Now, Jordan, where can the people find you on Twitter? You can find me over at Bunt Singles and also at the podcast account, uh, the podcast that Chris Weber, Schwebzy, and I do at In the Deep PL. Yes, go follow In The Deep PL. And I guess I should start shouting this out regularly. I haven't up to this point, but uh, On The List is now on Twitter officially. So hey. check, check out uh, at On The List PL. We're there on Twitter and you will be able to follow and get updates. Sick. So, Jordan. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you are one we of our... Uh... No, go ahead. We, we spent like 20 minutes talking before, like we had a lot of really good conversations even before we started recording this. So I'm like hoping that we can rehash a lot of that stuff so everyone else can hear. But yeah. I mean, yeah, we certainly can. I mean, let's go ahead and bring this up. What are, you, what are you drinking? I am currently drinking a, it's not, well, in this case, it's not tequila, uh, but a rum version of a tequila sunrise. I saw you were having a drink, so I figured I might as well have one as well. Kind of loosen things up a little bit. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I got a couple friends who do a podcast. I've been on once to talk about baseball specifically. And um, one thing that they do at the beginning of every episode is they ask the guests, what are you drinking? Sometimes sometimes it's just, you know, water or anything like that. But sometimes you get to shout out a nice uh, microbrewery. So I'm drinking a uh, a peach ale called Peachful from uh, Highland Brewing out in Asheville, North Carolina. It's really quite nice. I think I've actually been to Asheville one time. Asheville is a lovely city. I've also only ever been once, despite the fact that I only live like three hours from there. Uh, I went for a concert. It was a great time. And then I stayed at a uh, an Airbnb 
uh, in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains with this uh, old Italian man who had built this gorgeous log cabin uh, by hand. It was wild. That sounds like a very, very interesting story. He, like how did you was was it was it was an Airbnb? It was an Airbnb. Yeah, we we just it, But it, you stayed with the guy who lived there. Yeah. He had oh, wow. he had a bunch of extra rooms and cuz the this place was actually like I say log cabin, it was like four bedrooms, three baths, but wow. he built it all himself. And it was still kind of unfinished, parts of it were. Like, there was still some rough wood that needed to be sanded. There was still some flooring that hadn't been laid yet. It was wild. But this dude was super cool. He chatted with us uh, while he made us breakfast the next morning. And the breakfast was delicious. So it was very fun and uh, would recommend. I've never had an Airbnb host that has actually, like, made me breakfast before. Usually it's been, like, completely like no face-to-face like interaction whatsoever it's like here's the door code here's how you get in don't break anything <laughs> that's pretty much it that's been most of my experiences and so i was pleasantly surprised with this one it's like a nice little bnb isn't it it's like an air bnb <laughs> i, I kind of walked right into that one okay the aggressive eye roll i i wish uh, you all could have seen it so jordan tell us a little bit about yourself because the people here aren't wanting to you know hear about my little trip to Asheville they want to know who is Jordan White yeah so I've been I've only been a part of like picture list in general like I joined the PL plus discord last year in like August or September uh, so I really haven't been a part of the community for that long but somehow bamboozled my way into uh, becoming a staff member and getting a podcast you so ingratiated cool. yourself quickly I mean, I, I mean, I schmooze my way around <laughs> as I usually do. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, born and raised in Wisconsin. I live in Milwaukee currently, so I am a Brewers fan. Um, currently living on the Lower East Side of Milwaukee, which is like one of my favorite neighborhoods here. Uh, yeah, it's a great city. It honestly. is. I, I've been through Milwaukee a number of times. I've seen a number of games at what? was formerly Miller Park. It's now American <laughs> Family Insurance? American, American, American Family Field. That's terrible. Uh, it's doesn't really roll off the tongue. I think most people are still rebelling and just calling it Miller Park, but... It's like the White Sox Stadium. Like, I, I still refer to it as U.S. Cellular. I Again, I don't remember. Uh, guaranteed rate, maybe? Yep, guaranteed rate. That sounds right, yeah. But yeah, I've been through Milwaukee a number of times. Um, last time I saw a game at uh, Miller Park, when I think it was still Miller Park at the time, um, was actually my bachelor party. My brother and groomsman set this all up for me. Didn't it was a total surprise to me. And like three days before my wedding, um, we hopped in a car from Central Illinois, drove up to Milwaukee, saw the Braves get beat by the Brewers. Um, only about me and like one or two other guys in my wedding party were, uh, at all interested in baseball. <laughs> so the other ones were just looking up facts about Ryan Braun as we were in right field and he was the one nearest them. Were you just screaming things at him? Yeah. They, they decided <laughs> to 
like politely heckle Ryan Braun and like yell compliments at him and things like that. It was very strange. Do you still have any of those Ryan Braun fun facts from uh, that time? Oh, geez. Um, I, I don't. I, at one point I knew the name of his wife and like the modeling agency that she worked with. Yeah. Um, I, I know he's Jewish. Um, yes, he is. Cause they found that as well. But I, I, <laughs> I knew the names of his kids and stuff like that because they kept like, they just basically looked up the Wikipedia page for Ryan Braun and just <laughs> were wanting as much information about him as possible. And they asked me about, uh, his uh ped suspensions and all that kind of stuff and i was like yeah that happened uh what was it like 2015 14 something like that 2014 2015 ish yeah yeah just about so we talked about that it was it was very strange way for my my non-baseball friends to engage it's also like the fact that you said that you found out what his kids names were i hope that your friends didn't like yell ryan bronze children's names at him (laughs) while he was playing because that's just like generally creepy and very threatening (laughs) i don't think they did because they're 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 not bad people they're not good people i should say but they're not bad people (laughs) they're chaotic neutral people exactly would say exactly something like that in terms that we both understand yeah D &D terms we'll talk D &D. we'll get to that But yeah, we had a great time. We like I said, we saw that game. The Braves lost, uh, but it was close. Um, it was a good game to watch. And then we uh, went out on the town that evening. I went to we went we ended up having dinner at this very strange restaurant. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. It's it's I can't remember the name of it, but it it uh, is a spy themed restaurant where you have to like know the password uh, to get in. It's downtown. Oh God, uh, I know exactly what this is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's like a speakeasy. I can't remember what it's called, though. Yeah. It was, oh, no. It was I'm, I'm such a bad local. I'm such a bad local not knowing what this is. <laughs> it's in my it's somewhere in the recent like one of those very, very deep crevices in my brain. And I can't quite dig it out right now. But it's one of those things. Um, but it was it was fun. We had a good time. Um, it was there were more children there than I would have preferred. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of if I remember right, there are like it's a it's a kind of a, a draw for families, weirdly yeah. enough, even though it's kind of like a speakeasy type yeah. feel. Uh, I just looked it up. It's called Safe House. There you go. Safe House. Yep. Yeah. And when you we when you leave, they give you uh, fake mustaches, which we all, of course, wore. Um, oh, of course, you have to. And you can you can exit through a tunnel that leads out into the back alley instead of going out through the front door, which is just fun. And so that's what we did. But yeah, we went to a couple other really nice bars. Um, one was a this cocktail bar that introduced me to my what is now my favorite type of gin. Um, Ooh, what's that? It's called Nolets. N O L E T apostrophe Yes. Yes. Um, it's about depending on where you go, like forty or fifty dollars for a bottle, so it's not terribly expensive. No, um, but it's flowery, delicious, um, very good if you're just pouring yourself a, like a simple gin and tonic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like something that's definitely way more botanical. Mm-hmm. It's very. Botanical. When I'm drinking gin and tonics, that's actually usually my go-to drink of choice. But we don't have any gin here. That's. So that's a crime. Gin is my go-to liquor, preferably. Birds of a feather. Amen. 
But yeah, uh, we ended up at the end of the night at a place called Wolski's. Not sure if you ever oh, heard yes. of this. Oh, yes. Did you get a sticker saying that you closed Wolski's? I sure did. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> everyone, pretty much everyone who is anyone in Milwaukee, if you've lived here for any amount of time, has like been at Wolski's and has closed Wolski's and has a sticker on their fridge, on their laptop, yeah. on their car. There's always a car. I always see it. There's always a car on the convenience store that I walk on the way to the convenience store that I go to that's like a block away. And always the same car parked in the same place basically and it just has a nice wolski sticker on the back it's a, so it's like ingrained in my memory like i have to see this to know that i'm on this walk yeah it's like a, when it's not it's there a it great throws me. dive bar oh it's fantastic they have I'm trying to think oh. they have miller high life and that's all you need for it to be a good dive bar that's true but you also need paps blue ribbon that's also true and i mean a dive bar in milwaukee really ought to have both you need everything oh well actually miller high life is like, well, I mean, champion of beers, obviously, but it's like Miller High Life, PBR, and then, oh, God, what's the other one? I mean, occasionally you'll get lucky and you'll find a bar that has hams. Has I'm sorry, what? Ham Special Light. I That's am a, unfamiliar with this oh, beer. Oh, dear. Okay, well, if there's ever a chance to have a PL meetup, I'm going to bring, just for the sake of having a crappy beer... <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna bring a case of ham special light. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get a Wisconsin education because that's pretty much all anyone drank when I went to college too. Huh. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean Miller High Life is always my go-to cheap beer because it's it's four bucks for a six pack, but it's also yeah. tastes good. Yeah, I lean a little bit more towards PBR, but I like them both. PBR is definitely PBR is solid as well. But yeah, Milwaukee, fun city. Oh, it's pretty great. Yeah, love it here. Uh, wish I would have moved here sooner, honestly. Where were you? Did you grow up in like a small town? Grew up in a super duper small town. Well, okay, not super duper small. I shouldn't say that. It was technically a town of like ten to eleven thousand people ish, but it also had three prisons within city limits. So all of the prisoners. We're technically counted amongst our population so we are so closer to like six and a half seven thousand we are probably. finding more parallels between your life and mine uh i grew up in in a town of twelve thousand. however there was a maximum security prison in the town so my my go-to line is always i grew up in a town twelve thousand two thousand of which were incarcerated yes exactly <laughs> oh my god wow we are yeah it's wild very uh and i mean i'm only from illinois so i mean it's we're both very much midwest boys both illinois and wisconsin pretty big uh private prison it's true states it i mean unfortunately yeah it's kind of one of those things where chicago just ships off all of its criminals yeah so exactly that's so what ends up happening is they go either to southern illinois or to wisconsin yeah, so we have in mind it's Dodge Correctional Institution is one of them, which is a basically a hub. So people, while they're waiting to be sent to the place where they're going to serve out their entire sentence, they go through there. So like my, my high school girlfriend, her grandfather was the head of a cell block there and uh, got to host both Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer at Whoa. different times. And as I've heard like stories about that. That's why. So I like, wasn't sure where you stuff. were going when you started with this is this is what the prison is like 
also my high school girlfriend. I wasn't sure where, <laughs> where you were going after that. And I'm like, oh, she's there now. <laughs> exactly. no. Uh, no, it's like basically every single person. So like the whole joke growing up in my hometown was like either you go to either get like just get like a normal job, whatever, out of high school. You go to college. You can go like UW-Madison. Or you go to UW-Milwaukee. Or you could go to UW-Wapan, which is where I'm from which is becoming a guard at the prison. <laughs> Those are the three choices, pretty much. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, you and I both had friends growing up whose, uh, whose dads were prison guards. Yep. That's just a, I mean, and when you live in a small town, that's one of the major, oh, sure. that's one of the, one of the major, you know, employers. But enough about prison. <laughs> Talk to me about the Brewers. They're going to win the NL Central this year. I mean, they have maybe. one of the best bullpens until well, okay, until Justin Topa got hurt, and I'm very upset about Justin Topa getting hurt, and he's going to be out for like half the season with an elbow injury, probably. Condolences. Um, yeah, uh, I still thought that they were going to be one of the best bullpens in the, in the league, like top three, I would say, maybe behind like the White Sox and oh gosh, I don't even know, like the Dodgers, I would say. Yeah. It certainly helps when you have the two best relievers in baseball in your in, in your bullpen. Two of the best ones, yeah. I'd say Devin Williams is really far up there. I just worry about his elbow. Yeah. Honestly. Because he's already had one Tommy John surgery and he's had shoulder issues. And I do worry about the torque that that changeup puts on his – the stress it's going to put on his arm. I hope that being in the bullpen mitigates that. But, yeah. Fingers crossed because uh, I love watching him pitch. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. He should uh, He should have won Rookie of the Year last year too, honestly. Uh, he – did no he 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 won or sorry he should have won cy young that's what it was wait no did he <laughs> he won rookie of the year i promise you because i was very excited i it backwards i don't know what you think he should have won he should have been a finalist for the cy young because he was amazing <laughs> i'm oh yeah he did win rookie there yeah, yeah i was, I, I, I was I, nearly no, certain i but how many how often do relievers win uh the cy young right like I think the last person to win it was was it Gagne? I know. Back I when he was with, I think Dodgers? you're right. I gotta look this up now. I think you're right. I think that was the same year where Gagne like got juiced up by the San Francisco Giants uh, in stadium radar guns. Like they juiced up the guns to make him think that he was throwing harder than he actually <laughs> was, and then he was actually trying to pitch to Barry Bonds, and Bonds took him deep. That's funny. I don't think I've heard that story. Yeah. Um, allegedly, allegedly what happened, I should say. Allegedly. I th It's looking like the last one. So Eckersley was in 92. And yeah, the last one was Gagne. Oh, baby. Because Britain uh, was... Britain's 2016, he was a finalist, but he did not win. Yes. So Was that when he was still with the Orioles? I believe it was. Yeah, because he took like third, something like that. Something like that, when he yeah. had like an O-something ERA. Yeah, like O six three or something like that for the whole season. He had like 50-plus saves. He was... Uh, like 63. His, his line for... In Baltimore for a 28-year-old Zach Britton, 67 innings, 47 saves, 74 strikeouts, 
0.054 ERA, mm. 0.48 WHIP, 29% K rate. It's all right. Slightly dominant. Slightly dominant. It's all right. I'd say. Jeez. I'll take it. He's still one of my favorite pitchers. I hope he comes back quickly from his injury. Me too. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. He seems like a good guy as well. Oh, he's super great guy. Love him. Love how outspoken he is about even just like being honest about the team issues with like Domingo Herman and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you can't choose your teammates sometimes. Yeah. It was very a very bold statement for someone to make, but while still like very clearly making a stand against what he did. Yeah, I think that was a really it was a good way to handle that. Yeah, agreed. So as a uh, Brewers fan growing up, if you had a particularly a uh, favorite player on the team or maybe off the team, perhaps. So I was a big I remember I was a big my first like big crush on a Brewers player was I went to a one of the first games I ever I think actually no, it was the first game I ever went to at Miller Park. Um, I was sitting on the right field bleachers. And at that point, Jeff Jenkins was playing right field. And I remember him getting an outfield assist uh, from right field to home. Dude. And just like seeing it up close and personal for the first time. And I just thought it was so incredible that his throw was so accurate to home plate. And then he got the runner. Uh, So I was a huge. And also he was a lefty and I batted lefty growing up. Nice. So he was like always a favorite. Uh, Same thing with like I loved Prince Fielder. When he was with the Brewers, that was that was a great time. Having like him and Ricky Weeks on the team at that point, Corey Hart. I forgot um, about Ricky Weeks. Yeah, man, it was great. That's a, that was a fun team. That like they had some, they had some killers that, like, on that early team. Early twenty tens Brewers. Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved watching those teams. Uh, I was really sad when they could when they didn't get Prince back, mm. and he ended up going to Detroit. But it is what it is. It's a business. I get it. It do be like that. But I can play him in MLB The Show 21 now because he got revealed as a player that's going to be in MLB 21. So oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Fun. I've never been yeah. one to play the show. I, for whatever reason, I'm a huge baseball guy, but the show just doesn't appeal to me that much. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'd rather spend my time gaming, doing other things, too, as we both know. Like we've talked about our gaming interests, obviously. But, yeah, definitely not as big of a sports gamer. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be playing other games. But, I mean... An excuse to play as like Brewers era Prince Fielder, I will take. That's fair. So, uh, tell me about your kind of fantasy baseball career. What kind of leagues do you prefer to play in? How many are you in this year? Oh god, I'm in too many this year. <laughs> I would say, like, I went from not. I was only, I was only in two last year before I was a staffer, uh, and I, I, it was fine. It was nice. I didn't yeah. think it was like too overwhelming or anything like that. I was in an auto new league and one Yahoo league that disbanded. Two is a good number. One year. Yeah. Uh, this year, I think I counted earlier today and I want to say it's either nine or 10. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like five or the, five of those are pitcherless community or staff leagues. Oh boy. So I, cause I signed up for everything, but the thing was, I didn't think I was going to get thrown into all of them. It's, I thought it was going to be like, I'm interested in this one, this one, this one, and this one. And I would get into like one, maybe two of them. But no, <laughs> every single one that I expressed interest in, I was thrown into. Oh so I have, I'm in like the Grand Theft League, like for the wacky leagues. I'm in the Grand Theft League, the Guillotine League. I'm in the Starting Pitcher Only League, which was my idea that I'm super duper proud of. That's like uh, the opposite of my home league. It's so good. Starting So for those who are uninitiated the starting pitcher only league is a league that probably will only be around for this year considering that the dh is probably i would hope 
going to become universal in 2022. Fingers crossed. But basically, you draft seven starting pitchers, and you accumulate stats for them both pitching and hitting. Oh, that's fun. So you're, so you're incentivized to take NL pitchers because they're going to get more at-bats and get more counting stats. So there's five offensive stats and only four pitching stats. So the offensive stats are average, uh, runs, RBIs, home runs, and then SBs. But the SBs are sacrifice bunts instead of steals. <laughs> That's good. So super duper dope. Uh, I'm very excited to see how that turns out. You, yeah, you get to choose seven pitchers at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, you choose five of those pitchers to represent your stats for the full season. So it's just like a set it and forget it, like really fun league that you don't have to actually actively track, huh. which is super duper nice. No, no waiver wire moves, nothing. So I love yeah. those uh, draft and holds. Those are fun. So nice. I mean, I should have done more of those in theory yeah. rather than all these active maintenance ones, because now I have like three, I have three dynasty leagues, two auto new leagues that are like daily and semi like those are keeper ish leagues that need to be paid attention to and everything like that. But yikes. Yeah. So, uh, but mostly I did Roto growing up at a Roto league that I was a part of in like high school and early into college for like three or four years that I won three, three or four times. Nice. Well done. Every year, except for one, I think, um, stopped playing for a little bit and then would occasionally join up and have a league here and there fared mostly well across all of them. But just last year I got back into fantasy leagues again. So you got back into it and you thought to yourself, you know what? Let's just jump off the deep end. Let's join this community. Now let's join the staff. Yeah. I don't really do anything like halfway. Like when I try to get into (laughs) something again, it's like a full dive. It's a cannibal. You you might say that I like to get into the deep. Ooh. Ooh, There's a a little little little, little uh, podcast name drop for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Uh, I mostly like the deeper leagues, though. Like, if I can go into a league where we're drafting past, like, pick 300, that's kind of my sweet spot. I love finding value super late in drafts. I also usually win my leagues not so much during the draft, but more so during the season between waiver wire pickups and trades. You know, you say like that. that as a as someone who's pays attention to two leagues and can devote a lot of attention to all of them. Uh as as someone who has done the I've warmed up into many leagues, uh, good luck. <laughs> I'm gonna need it. That's so many. I I've cut back to just four this year, and that's I think four is my limit that I've found. Oh yeah, and then oh god, oh I forgot. Oh no, I have eleven because I forgot about TGFBI. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> ah my brain. Uh, but no, that's the thing. It's like you have to put them into tiers, right? When you have this many, like which ones you prioritize actually yeah. taking care of immediately. So for me, like there's like, I mean, the money leagues that I'm in where I'm putting entry fees of like whatever, it's like 20 to 100 bucks mm-hmm. or something like that. I think I only have like four money leagues, but those get attention first for obvious reasons. Well, I mean, um, the pitcherless staff leagues go first. Maybe not the wacky leagues, but like the staff league goes first and then the money leagues and then yeah. TGFBI. <laughs> I mean, I have to I have to gain that uh, that clout within the pitcher list community of being like the best of the best staffer. You got to work your way up to the legacy league so you can uh, face off with yours truly. But like, is there ever going to be people taking other people's place in the legacy league? I feel like we can't displace people out of that league. It feels like a little bit sacrilege, right? I mean, there 
we didn't move anyone last year because we we didn't do any relegations with the sixty game season. But yeah. this year we will three people out of that league, which that league is only made up of either managers or people who have been here since like two thousand fourteen, like the yeah, very from beginning. The beginning, like three of them will get bo- <laughs> like bumped out, and it could be Nick and Alex. That'd be kind of incredible, honestly. I think Nick last year won a single week in the Legacy League. Well, if he keeps performing like that, he's going to be getting the boot pretty quick. So, Buddy. It, yeah. Uh, the Two years in a row, uh, John Metzelar and Rick Graham have been in the championship. So there's a trend. I feel, so I feel like that's one thing that I, I think I've been, I mean, somewhat lucky I think where Graham probably finds value is the fact that he's like a reliever guy. Yep. And he's probably incredibly good at finding those relievers to stream and like also figure out who's going to get the save opportunities if someone goes down or who do I need to pick up right now to speculate for saves. Yeah. I basically and, yeah. punted saves in the Legacy League draft and afterwards I I messaged him was like, so uh, thoughts on getting only, <laughs> only Devin Williams uh who else was it? It was Devin Williams, uh, Chris Martin from the Braves, and uh, the Cardinals. Um, Hicks? Jordan Hicks? Other one. Gallegos? Yes, Gallegos. Those are my three relievers. Gallegos. Those are <laughs> bad ones. They're all like second in line for jobs. Yep. I I mean, I think that hater gets traded before the end of the year. Yeah. We personally. Were, we were definitely going to talk about that, so may as well jump into it. Like, what's your... What are your thoughts as far as that goes? I want them to trade Josh Hader. Like, he's good. Don't get me wrong. I like Josh Hader as far as, like, being a player is concerned. But there are other needs that need to be addressed on the Brewers roster, most notably. Like, first base still feels a little bit iffy. Like, I hope that Keston Hira can get a handle on it. And I don't really want Daniel Vogelbach to be starting there every single day. That's fair. They're not the best options. And then third base, like the corners are a little bit rough now. I don't like Travis Shaw very much either. What? He's the so. mayor of Ding Dong City. Come on. <sighs> it's such a bad nickname. I, 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 am, I think I'm one of the only Brewer fans out there that does not have a penchant for Travis Shaw and doesn't actually like him that much. Like he had the one good year in what was it, like 2018? 2017 17 yeah when he hit 31 homers with a 273 average he hit yeah he hit 32 the next year but then in 2019 uh over 270 plate appearances hit 157 with a 33 percent k rate he just forgot how to hit just completely lost all the mojo he didn't have mike's secret stuff anymore yeah i mean it's it's kind of crazy for in 2018 his walk rate was 13.3% and his K rate was 18.4. In 19, his walk rate was identical, 13.3%, but his K rate was 33% compared to stopped, that. 18. He just stopped making contact. Yeah. That's kind of wild. That's all it was. Um, oh, God. Yeah. So I, notably not a fan of Travis Shaw. I don't know. Who, I don't know who. I want the Brewers to go after, honestly. Maybe someone like, I mean, I don't really care. Trade Josh Hader to the Dodgers and give them another amazing bullpen arm and get like Edwin Rios and free him so he can play or something like that. I would love to see someone like Edwin Rios. Um, 
I know this isn't solving the third base problem, but solving the first base problem potentially would have been great. I wanted them to trade Josh Hader and someone else or some sort of package to get Dom Smith from the from the Mets. That'd have been nice. That'd have been a good one. I would have loved that. Um, much to the chagrin of my co-host Schwebzy, who absolutely abhors that idea. <laughs> I mean, but, I like Dom Smith a lot, so I I, uh, I get that as a as a Mets fan, Schwebzy wants to keep him. Oh yeah, and he's just like one. He's a great baseball player too. He just seems like such a good clubhouse guy, and I want more cool people in my home team's clubhouse. People that I can actually genuinely root for, not just as baseball players, but as people. That's fair. But what if? Uh, yeah. Here's a here's an idea of something for a hater trade. What if he? What if you send him off to the Yankees? Oh God! Okay, and they send you back, um, Gio Urshela. I don't know if they would do it, or Miguel Andujar. I don't want Andujar. No one does. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think I would like that very much. I mean, Andujar could I don't be. Know. I would call that an upgrade at first base. Maybe. If he can learn to play first, I mean, he he can't play third. We know that. Yeah, but that yeah, but that's the thing though. Is like I don't want to teach. Like we already have someone on the team that we're trying to teach how to play first base. And here, uh, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I wouldn't want to start that project over if it fails once. You know, that's fair. I don't know. It's tough. Um, I mean, personally, the thing that I wish they would have done is I wish they would have just done what the Cardinals did and just thieved the Colorado Rockies of Nolan Arenado, <laughs> and just if that would have been their only move for the offseason is just getting Arenado somehow. I I would have been elated. Man, Arenado hitting in Milwaukee would be awesome. It would be sick. Like people and people here would have gone absolutely insane. Like I oh, mean, yeah. you look at the MLB I think it was like the MLB on Fox or something of like that account did like the best fan bases Twitter poll and the like just like pretty much all of them the Milwaukee Brewers fans come out in droves on social media and won it even after the rays had to go and ask a bunch of other teams to try to help them out uh on twitter and like very shamelessly shilling to everyone else saying hey help us beat the brewers here but i don't know the fan base would have i think really rallied behind that and yeah although i really do like the wong and jbj signings at the end of the day those are both i think absolutely sick that's some Um, awesome defense up the middle they're going to be fantastic. I mean, and the thing is, I help. I think it helps uh, guys like Adrian Hauser, who's like a sinker baller. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Why can't I think of his name? Brett Anderson? Is that who I'm thinking of? Perhaps. Why can't I remember his name right now? <laughs> I'm a, I, I swear I'm a fan of the Brewers. Uh, yeah, Brett Anderson. That's who it is. Also, a ground ball pitcher. I think having that solid infield defense... And then also having that incredible range between Lorenzo Cain and JBJ in the outfield. And then Yelich isn't a slouch either. Yeah, that's just that should be, be great. You've got some really good defenders. I mean, aside from Travis Shaw, everyone on the team is a plus defender. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, kind of impressive because Luis Urias the... is pretty solid. Yeah, he is. And like that's the thing, too. Even having if they split time i think what they might do is they might end up if shaw continues to struggle or if he struggles early in the year i could see urias playing third base and arcia 
getting reps back at shortstop again. I wonder if Keston Hira can play third or short. He's he has so many throwing errors. Oh no, he's not. He is. He's he's had a few errors this spring already because he's been trying to play first base and then they tried to get him his reps at second base as well to keep Ooh. him refreshed. And he's had multiple throwing errors in the spring, so I don't think that's a great choice. That's why they wanted to move him too, partially, is because he's not a good defender at second base in terms of his throwing. I didn't so, actually know that. I just knew he was a interesting option as far yeah. as offense. I wasn't familiar with his defense, huh? Well, hopefully, first base works out. I, oh, what? A, okay, hear, hear me out. What about Josh Hader and Hira for Dom Smith? I, that sounds like an overpay to me, but it's not awful. Hader's in a contract here. They're gonna have to pay him anyways. Yeah. Um. That's that sounds semi-doable um they have Wong. i mean the thing i, I guess i'm lower also on keston here than most people because i just think that the strikeout numbers are way too high yeah personally but i was looking there's just, very yeah. few third basemen that you could potentially trade for most, oh yeah there's most third basemen are either nothing. like super high end and so they're like gonna be too expensive or they're locked up or the their teams aren't going to trade them yeah and that's like the top 10 uh well, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like it would have to be a someone who is stuck on a bench somewhere or someone who is a prospect, like higher to mid-tier prospect who is coming up who could replace Shaw at some point, essentially. That's pretty much all I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I'm i trying to find, I mean, Christian Walker would be a good guy that you guys should try to trade for, but the Dimebacks aren't trying to compete right now i don't think no and there's no reason i mean they signed soria in the offseason i assume to try to be at the back end of that bullpen yeah. so i'm assuming they wouldn't want to trade for hater or someone like that yeah i just don't know what you would give up to them uh to get someone like christian walker although i do really like christian i think i'm higher on christian walker than most people are same but, i like christian yeah. walker quite a bit he was he's, he's pretty underrated um yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to find like a good, a good match here. What about There's like, really not many. What about like Bobby Dahlbeck from the Red don't, Sox? Don't even get me started. I I love me some Bobby I, Dahlbeck. I, uh, I so on our podcast, Schwebzy and I have deemed Bobby Dahlbeck Robert K. Dingers because <clears throat> he hits bombs and he strikes out a lot. <laughs> That's which, good. I mean, we already have Keston Hira doing that. Another guy doing that is just totally fine with me. Just sell out for the long ball. Sure. Sure. Totally cool with it. Dalbeck's got like a nice approach, though. He hits lots of opposite field bombs. He's got power to all fields, has a pretty nice swing. Yeah, the strikeout numbers are really ugly, but I don't think that they're going to be where they currently are forever. Um, yeah. I just had another idea. What did I think is even more viable? I think... So you mentioned someone to be like kind of riding the bench sort of thing. Yeah. Rowdy Telez. Huh. He definitely fits like the stereotypical Wisconsin baseball player mold. And of, like a big beefy boy who hits the ball hard. Like in that Dan Vogelbach. They don't really have a closer. Thing. Jordan Romano is slotted to be their closer <sighs> at this point. I don't think they would want to give up Rowdy. Uh, maybe they would give up Rowdy. They probably would give up Rowdy for... 
That a sounds good like a good deal for me, honestly, for both squads. That makes me nervous, man. I mean, Rowdy, I like Rowdy. I do like Rowdy, but and you you are correct that he is somewhat blocked in his playing time currently. I could, I could be talked into it. I will say that. I could definitely be talked into it, I would think. But ooh, that's a that's an interesting one. But yeah, I Dang. I would be surprised if Hater ends the season in Milwaukee. Um, not sure where he's yeah, going to go, but I think someone will pay for him. I'm I don't know that you guys are going to get uh, any MLB ready talent for him. No, I think very likely not. I think you're going to get a few prospects that are interesting, but not great. Um, yeah, because it seems like the market right now for just almost all trades seems to be a little down as far as value, especially for guys in a contract year. People, I think uh, GMs and owners right now are really trying to avoid overpaying. Yeah. Well, even beyond that too, it's just like closers in general, because it seems like so many teams are moving towards committee roles Mm -hmm. for those late innings that are high leverage. And maybe, I mean, I think the game's going to evolve to a point where, it's going to be to the bane of fantasy players out there everywhere that are in saves leagues because it's going to be so hard to figure out who's going to be getting saves regularly. There's going to be like only a few unicorns left <laughs> for yeah. people to actually go chase uh, like it was this year. There's like real, there was really only like six, maybe seven guys that were super sought after, I would say, as closers in like five by five leagues. Yeah, that's about right. So, I mean, that's also a reason that I think a lot of teams might not chase like a premium reliever or like a capital C closer in this day and age, but hard to say. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch as that develops and see what kind of market um, there is. Cause I think there's definitely still a value in a high end reliever. Um, especially when I think there's still, they show their value a lot more once you get to the playoffs um, oh, yeah. And so I think teams like Atlanta uh, that have decent bullpens but could use another arm, that's that's one that I think would be a buyer. Um, or maybe even I could I could see Chicago being interested, the White Sox in particular. The Cubs obviously yeah. aren't trying anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, much to my – I mean, honestly, in a way – it's much to my dismay that they're not trying anymore because I, I liked having that adversarial nature directly south of the border to us. Yeah. It's a, it's a little the spark isn't quite there anymore because it feels like they're not trying as hard. Yeah. Yeah. For those but, of you who aren't aware, Chicago to Milwaukee is like 40 minutes. It's yeah, it's like, it, well, if you're hauling. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're driving well over the speed limit, it's 40 minutes. But like I, I was a bit very a bit hyperbolic. Yeah, but like very frequently you will find at I'm not going to call it American Family Field at Miller Park. <laughs> um, there's very often Cubs game, Cubs Brewers games that are at Miller Park where there are more Cubs fans in the stands than Brewer fans because the Cubs fans will buy out a ton of the tickets and drive up that very, very short distance from Chicago and just take over the stadium. It becomes Wrigley North for a little bit is yep. the joke that it that it's become. So I think that's going to change hopefully Fingers in the near crossed. future here. But I mean, even yeah. when the Cubs were bad for 
generations, the fans were still there, unfortunately. Yes, but exactly. I want to circle back. You, you mentioned that Brewers fans are some of the best fans. And I, I got to agree with that. The, the whole uh, tailgating before games thing, first off, is such a Wisconsin thing to do. It's so incredibly I didn't realize that until I was probably about like 19 or 20 and I was in college for a little bit and I had folks from like different parts of the country yeah. come in and it's like, yeah, we're going to go. Do you want to go to this? We were going to go to a single A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers game, which is the single A affiliate of the Brewers, which it was like a 30 or 40 minute drive from my college. Perfect. Uh, we're going to go there, but we're going to tailgate beforehand. People are like, what? what is that? Oh, they didn't know what what's tailgating, tailgating was. What's tailgating? It's oh. like you you go, you bring like a little grill, and you like you get like a little table, and you set up like you like make burgers and hot dogs, and you drink beer, and just kind of like hang out before the game, play some bag, some cornhole, some bag toss, whatever you want to call oh, I it. I love cornhole. I don't know where it. I was gonna say I don't know if you call it cornhole. I usually call it either bags or cornhole. It's one but, of the two, interchangeable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so exposing people to that very apparently regional experience for the first time was really interesting. And I think that it's something that Wisconsin folks do better than literally everyone else. Yeah, that's true. In the country. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a very Midwest thing, I think, uh, oh, yes. just in general. Um, Cause like when I was in high school and we would go on our breaks at band camp in high school, we would, uh, we would drive over to the park, pull out this, uh, tiny charcoal grill and grill yep. up some uh, pork chops and brats. It's great. Yeah. Super ritualistic thing to do before a game. Yeah. I will say I do have a vivid memory of the first time I tailgated. It was when I was a kid. I wasn't like drinking or anything like that, but we thought it was a good idea to bring our baseball gloves with us to the parking lot at Miller Park. And my brother and I were playing catch and my brother airmailed air a throw and hit a bike cop. Oh, <laughs> with a hardball. Oh, no. On the fly. <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going. I thought he was going to break a car window. Oh, no, it didn't hit a car window. Luckily, it only hit a cop, which is much <laughs> less fortunate, much, much more fortunate. Um, it only hit a cop. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it was. We, we get a stern talking to by the police officer and then continued to play catch because we did not care that much. But like, uh, yeah, that just sprung back into my head now that I'm talking about tailgating because I never really thought about that until now. That's brilliant. See, it, that's one of those that this show in particular brings out stories like that. I found it's great. That's awesome. it's really good. My the one of the games I went to at Miller Park um my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, and I went and watched the uh, the Cardinals play the Brewers. It was mm-hmm. the middle of July, and it was very hot. And they probably yes. could have closed the roof on a ninety-five degree day, but they didn't. Um, yeah, and we were on the third base line and just roasting. And so we uh, around the. Sixth inning or so, we got up and took a walk to just in inside to you know get out of the sun a little bit, get ourselves some yep. ice cream stuff like that, cool off. We're we're uh, walking around, you know, just watching the game from uh, under the balcony, and these two people walk up to us and say, "Hey, 
where are you sitting? And we're like, uh, just kind of right down there, uh, third baseline. They're like, oh, okay. We're leaving. We had to get going. Do you want our tickets? And we're like, uh, sure. Where are you sitting? And they point behind home plate. And I'm like, yes, I, uh... I would love to have your tickets. We were almost directly behind home plate. At one point, a batter fouled the ball back and I jumped. Oh, it was one of those where you get it like was, yeah. crap scared out of you. Yeah, it was right at hit. me. It was, we were like directly behind home plate. It was the, wonderful. one of the strangest oh. experiences. We only got to be there for like three innings, but we were in the shade. And when we got there, the people who were sitting next to us were like, um, you, who are you? I'm like, oh, the people give us their, see, we, we belong here, I promise. <laughs> That's the thing. There's always, I feel like there's stadium workers who are near those front sections that are like, okay, let me see your tickets to make sure that you're actually going to sit here. But my favorite game to play whenever I would go to, more so when I was younger, not so much now, I'm too lazy to actually try to go through the effort of it. But buying tickets in a really crappy section and hoping that there's open seats elsewhere and just like seeing how close you can get. Yeah. Sneaking in there. Uh, so there was times where we got to sit like two or three rows back from the dugout because we would just slowly move up as the game went on. Cause there would be like, maybe they, I don't, whether they were losing or there just wasn't that many people there that day. It's like seventh or eighth inning. And now we're like third or fourth row. That's awesome. Behind the dugout. It's fantastic. Oh, that's real good. So, Tell me a bit about uh, uh, what do you like to do outside of the baseball realm? What do you what kind of stuff are you into as far as hobbies or work or things along those lines? So for hobbies, we've talked about this in depth already quite a bit, but I'm a huge fan of D&D. Oh, yeah. It's one of my it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm definitely heavier on the role play aspect than some of my friends, which is sometimes a little bit of annoyance to them. But I really like to dive deep into that. Yeah, uh, it's something that I enjoy quite a bit. Um, I'm currently so I just had to break away from one campaign due to podcast stuff now this year because we'll be recording on Sunday nights for Monday releases mm. for In the Deep. Uh, so we had to cancel one one group but i'm currently in another group and then i'm planning to do an eventual one shot here once i can work out schedules with a group of friends that i haven't played with in like two years nice so that's super encouraging i'm really excited to actually run a game again because it's been i think two and a half years since i've dm'd and i miss doing that too dm being dungeon mastering mm -hmm. for those who are uninitiated or... i'm sorry that this is nerd time but <laughs> oh yeah it's gonna be nerd time for a while <laughs> <laughs> We got the okay from Papa Pollock to talk D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah. The, so the current campaign that I'm in, I am a, the, the race and class that I play is a tiefling gunslinger fighter. Ooh. Uh, it, it's a seafaring campaign. So it's a swashbuckling pirate campaign, which is very, very fun and exciting. I've liked that so far. It's based in Matthew Mercer's, world of exandria particularly a wild mount very nice so are you so, doing the the mercer gunslinger then yes very nice absolutely yeah i have that pack unlocked on D, &D beyond so that way i have all the rules handy. it's such a nice resource to have oh, D, &D beyond is the especially best in the digital age oh my god oh god the fact that we're just online all the time it's so nice i mean i usually like having physical like spell cards and physical sheets to refer to mm-hmm 
It's like the tactile stuff is something I really enjoy, but the simplicity and the convenience of using the digital character sheets is something that I've enjoyed quite a bit. Oh yeah. During pandemic times. It's great for character building. And I mean, one of the, the game that I'm running right now is with my wife, my brother who lives in Illinois while I live in North Carolina Yes. My wife's best friend who lives in Illinois and uh, our former roommate who lives in Las Vegas. So, yeah, spread out. We are totally spread out. There's no way we're going to be able to get together, but we can play over Discord with D&D Beyond and Roll20. It's an amazing time to be into tabletop role playing. There's so many great um, resources available. Not even just resources, too. It's just like there's so much there's so much like homebrew stuff and thing like things to play test and have fun with and try out and just so much like community created content. And that's the really great thing is like, I mean, there's definitely like in every community, you're going to have the warts that are going to be like huge trolls and everything like that. But overall the RPG community, much like this is kind of like a parallel that I draw to the fantasy baseball community. There's tons of good people. Mm hmm are willing to like create resources and share them with each other and have like this sense of uh commune yeah between everyone else it's really great jordan are you familiar with uh the griffin's saddlebag the griffin's saddlebag no oh oh i have a treat for you oh baby oh uh have you listened to uh the adventure zone with the mcelroys oh yes i have wait which one oh wait Griffin McElroy has his own subreddit and other other things where every day, every weekday, he publishes a new uh, D&D 5th edition magic item. Oh, my God. Okay, so I don't you can't see it because everything is blurred out. But right here up up over my left shoulder, that is a my brother, my brother and me live show poster on my wall. Good. So. I, I'm a big Mackle, McElroy brother fan, for sure. So, some of my favorite boys. You're going to have to check this out because his the items he makes are so unique and flavorful. And all of them have really interesting mechanics to go with them. They're well-balanced because he works with his uh, Patreon supporters and the mm-hmm. subreddit and everything like that. It's been an absolute boon for my campaign that i'm running almost every almost every magic item i've given my party has been from griffin's saddlebag because they're That's just incredible. so good you should send me that and also link it in the show notes in case any of our other listeners here are dnd aficionados i'll have to throw it in there but yeah you can yeah. head over to reddit.com slash r slash the griffins as in the uh, actual animal, the Griffin's saddlebag. Sick. Yeah, I did not know that existed. And now I'm very excited to look at something new tonight because, I mean, that's probably going to help me plan for my new campaign that I'm doing. You've got two years of item backlog. (sighs) It feels good. He even published the first year in a book that I very much want to own. I really need to get with the program. Clearly, I'm not that. Clearly, I'm not that big of a fan of Griffin or the McElroys. Oh, this. Is... I gotta. I gotta ask real quick. Have you listened to all of the Adventure Zone arcs? I have listened to 
the first like 10 episodes of the adventure zone and that's it oh dang okay i know i i, I will say i need to get on it i love balance love the first arc but amnesty is probably my favorite piece of like rpg content that anyone has produced interesting see i'm a, I'm a big critical role guy i'm yes. working my way through the second campaign right now i think i'm on episode like 90 or something so i'm i'm getting i'm almost getting caught up i'm working on Dang. it um got my D or my critical role dice here nice. i've just got oh, got my merch got, got a little metal d20 with on nice. me keep on my desk to just play around with fiddle with yeah exactly um but yeah i've i've i'm gonna get around to the adventure zone once i get caught up on critical role which is fast approaching because i get to listen to podcasts at my new job um then i i will hop it back into the adventure zone originally my wife and i were listening to it together um to all the couples out there watch tv together don't listen to podcasts together Podcasts very, are not meant well, to be a group thing. Even beyond that, cr- like critical role in the adventure zone, especially with the length that they are. Yeah, these are like three to four hour episodes. You should treat it more like not like a thing that you actually do physically together, but more like a book club where you each listen to something together and you can talk about it. I found is much easier. That's a good way um, to think about it. Yeah, I'm trying to I get have, her to start listening to critical role it's it's such a i mean i love it don't get me wrong i'm I'm caught up completely like i've been watching since like episode 16 or something like that of the first campaign dang so it wasn't hard for me to catch up and stay up to date because i've been with it for so long and that's like five plus years of content at this point but it's just such a slog because like it's okay like when you try to show someone new uh critical role it's like yeah it's this D D live show oh yeah how long is it each episode's like a, I don't know, like anywhere from three and a half to five hours long. And there's how many episodes? Uh, it was like two hundred and change, two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So you're talking about, uh, you know, five twelve thousand hours or something like that. Yeah, just like stupid amounts of content. It's so, ridiculous. It, it, it is intimidating. It's very intimidating. Um, yeah. If anyone has been thinking about, you know, I've heard of Critical Role. I want to listen to it, but I am ridiculously intimidated. Um, Go ahead and just do it. I would start with campaign two instead of campaign one. Uh, Campaign one, they actually hop in in the middle of the story, which can be a little confusing uh, because all the characters already know each other, already have a rapport, and you're just kind of brought along in the middle of the story. Whereas yes. campaign one, they start from scratch and the two, uh, the two campaigns are almost completely separate. Um, they will occasionally reference campaign one as jokes and stuff like that. But as far as like characters and events from campaign one, almost none of them have any like major, uh, like weight as far as the plot of campaign two. Yeah, I mean, there is now in in, in the episode I'm on. I just there's there's a certain uh, wizard who I just 
was reintroduced to that was a major player in campaign one that has now come back as seemingly a minor player in campaign two. I assume that you're talking about one Allura Visoran. Yes. Yes. Sorry, nerd stuff. (laughs) I I love this show so much. It's so, it's so, so, so good. Oh, and Matt Mercer is a world building savant. It's incredible. Truly incredible. I'm currently trying to build my own worlds. My wife and I are working on it together and it's, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But we're taking our time and going through and we've got a map. So that's a great start. It is a start. Yeah. I mean, I, I have about two years in to my homebrewed world and that's the thing that I'm trying to do my camp, my next one shot. I'm hoping Mm. to turn it into like a biweekly thing, hopefully every other week but we'll see what my what my party would like to do hopefully i can get them to go past just the one shot because i have a lot written out and a lot for them to explore so yeah yeah that's a lot of of what i like to do in my free time it's taken up by a lot of that a lot of (laughs) to kind of get back to where we were yeah just like that and then i mean i spend a lot of time hanging out in the pictureless discord obviously playing video games with folks from there i play a lot of video games with my co-host schwebzy he and i have become pretty tight over the past probably like two or three months, especially since we've been doing the podcast together and planning all that out. He's pretty hard. Um, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Eh. Yeah. He's all right. He's okay. No, <laughs> I really do. I actually, once, uh, once I'm all vaccinated and everything like that and things start to open back up and like, there's a nice mass vaccination thing mm-hmm. happening. I would love to, obviously do like a pictureless meetup both in the midwest with people that are around here and also make it out to the east coast to meet like schwebzy and nick and uh, like i'm trying to think asher is out there I, i'm trying to think of all the new york people uh john metzelar metzelar sherman fast, fast. yeah uh, yeah yeah a lot i, of I would love players. to meet everyone i i am gonna make it to the next new york meetup that's going to happen we have to do it, man. <sighs> have to. Just imagine. Okay, but imagine if it was just you, me, and Schwebzy <laughs> all in the same place at once. Just, I don't think anyone would be able to handle the amount of silk just dripping, <laughs> just dripping off of our voices. I mean, before you two came along, the it was always the bit of like Austin's the guy with the nice voice. The, you know, the they always t- say it was like NPR plus or whatever. And now you guys come along. I'm, I, for whatever reason, I'm not getting those jokes as much. I think you guys are like stealing my thunder as far as that goes. You got competition, man. <laughs> New kids on the block. I need to step it up. So, uh, Jordan. Yes. Um, what kind of video games do you particularly care for? Well, lately I've been playing quite a bit of Valheim. <laughs> okay, we're done with this. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we're done with that. Uh, I've been playing quite a bit of Valheim, actually. And uh, I've been doing that with Schwebs. I've been playing Smite with Schwebs. Literally everything that I do lately has been with Schwebsy. I spend a lot of time with him virtually. Well, thank you for getting him to play something other than the show. Well, that's the thing. Once, like, I don't know when it is, like two or three weeks from now, whenever the show, I don't know when the show comes out exactly. Actually, is it April that it comes out? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. He's going to start streaming again at some point, so he will be doing that. But I'm hoping that I can convince him to do like a co-stream because I also I mean, I started a Twitch page for my fantasy baseball account, which sounds weird. 
Interesting. Um, but just like I would love to just have a day where he and I stream and just like play games together and stuff like that. And we can just like BS with people. I would love that. Um, more content. Yeah, man. I mean, Valheim more streams content. are fun to watch for sure. Oh, it's a good time. Yeah, we're trying to work our way towards the third boss in Valheim currently. I believe in you. We have to get the uh, group together. I I do not play. Uh, my computer is ver weak, and uh, <laughs> not, I, don't, I do not think it can handle it. Honestly, it can, yeah, I, it can barely handle Minecraft, and I mean barely. <laughs> anything, anything more than like sixty four bit, and it's struggling. Yes. <laughs> that is i'm that's not an exaggeration but might be able to play some star fox emulator but beyond that yeah. the, the pokemon <laughs> emulator i have is a little much for it sometimes Ooh, buddy it, I, the fan gets going and it's like okay all right it's like hovering off your desk a little bit <laughs> blowing so hard yeah I'm, I'm actively i'm working with a buddy of mine to talk about uh building a proper gaming tower so that is it's, that is in the works. That is by far one of the best investments that I made. Not even just for like gaming, but just general workflow stuff. Mm-hmm. Is having a setup where I have like two, three monitors and having like a very nice, smoothly running uh, desktop computer. Life changing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's I, we're probably honestly we're probably going to get one for me and one for my wife because she's going to want to play her games and I'm going to want to do my stuff and also play games so yeah yeah. good stuff good stuff now you've done speaking of all this like smooth voice stuff you've done voiceover stuff right yeah small stuff i'm not super deep into it yet but it's something that i have aspired to do for a while and i'm finally getting like a little bit of traction which is nice and honestly i mean getting into it is very difficult there's a lot of people that I will say are like a billion times more talented than I am out there at doing this stuff. And you got to get really lucky sometimes. Pretty much the jobs that I've gotten so far have been essentially. So I've been doing mostly work for nonprofits in the Milwaukee area. So one of them is for I think I can talk about this. It's not like under NDA or anything. <laughs> so I think we're all right. But uh, a local nonprofit called the Wisconsin Facets, which basically equips families that have children with different uh learning disabilities of varying types or like educational challenges based on their disabilities where they can like say they have a child who has a behavioral disability and for some reason the school isn't working with them to help them succeed wisconsin facets is the type of place that will give them different resources like whether it's legal or just like learning resources to help them figure out a plan to actually give their child what they need within that school setting and stuff like that so i'm doing some educational modules that are meant for parents to listen to for that so they get to hear my voice for (laughs) something like two and a half three hours uh which hopefully doesn't get too boring after a while and then i also have done a video for the community warehouse in Milwaukee, which is a place that basically provides home improvement and building supplies at like severely discounted prices for folks who want to do home improvement stuff who usually can't afford to do such things. That's also very cool. Yeah. Nice. So what you're telling me is you're going to be the next Liam O'Brien. 
I wish. <laughs> like, I would love to. I would love, love, love to do some character work. That's like my dream is to do some sort of character work in a video game. If I can do that once in my life, I would be more than happy. That, um, yeah, that that would be awesome. Yeah. But like getting into it, I got lucky because I knew people who knew that I was interested in doing it. I basically just it, it was a lot of me auditioning for things and not getting anything for a really, really long time. Like I didn't get my first gig until like a year and change after I started auditioning. So I sent out probably like 40 or 50 auditions before I actually even got anything. And the one that I got was because my friend found out who works at Wisconsin Facets. Mm-hmm told me that they needed a voiceover person and I just put in essentially like, Hey, I can do this too. And I sent a sample in and because it's a nonprofit, they're working with limited funds. So because I was doing it cheaper, they were able to afford me. There you go. Which is nice. So, I mean, any work is work. So, yeah. Uh, but it's been really, really nice. I mean, the people that I've been able to work with during this and the stuff that I've learned, even just over these few jobs has been like super nice. Uh, so really like if you're looking to get into it, you really don't need to spend a whole lot um, for me. Like I built, I'm going to just show you this. This is my, I, I don't have like a recording booth that I can go into. So what I did is I lined the inside of a Rubbermaid bin with soundproofing foam and I set my microphone inside of it. Oh, so that looks like that right there. That is a so like super right interesting there. idea. So the mic stand sits like right in this little hole here. You can't see this because this is not a visual podcast, but I can I'm showing off right now. <laughs> yeah, the mic the mic stand sits right in there, and then it blocks out everything else from around. I would never have thought of that. That's yeah. really ingenious, actually. Yeah, and the really nice thing is that it basically doubles as like a portable uh, container that I can store everything in and then travel with it too. So I can take my laptop yeah. and record remotely as well. So. Huh. Yeah, it's been really, really nice. Uh, so just being resourceful like that, you don't really have to spend a ton. And you don't even need to get like actual soundproofing foam. You can get like a mattress pad. Yeah. That's super thin and cheap from like Walmart for like 10 bucks. And you can line the inside of a Rubbermaid bin. And then for like 20 bucks, you have your own little yeah. portable uh, audio booth. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you don't need like a fancy mic necessarily. Like Blue, Blue Yetis are like a good startup mic. I have... For me, I went with like a two hundred dollar between my uh, audio box, uh, my audio interface, and my mic, uh, which is an AT twenty twenty Audio Technica mm-hmm. microphone. You can go pretty cheap that route too. So like, it's not crazy expensive to get started up in it if you want to do it. Um, but the biggest thing is just like being persistent and like keep like just making sure that people know that you want the opportunity, and eventually someone might toss something your way. Sure. Yeah, Blue Yeti is definitely uh, definitely uh, endorsed by the podcast. Uh, that's what you all hear me on each week. Yes, Blue Yeti is it's it's really great for the money. It's hundred bucks, um, and it gets you everything you need for like like uh, Jordan said, like a yeah. starting level. So, yeah, for sure. It's a popular one. Would recommend. Okay. The nice thing is, too, is that you don't need an audio interface with that either because it's just a USB mic that plugs directly into the computer. Exactly. Which is great. Yeah. So you don't have to buy, like, mic cables or anything like that either. It's, it's always a nice easy. plus, too. Yeah. Super duper easy to use. Well, that's awesome, man. I, that's really fun. Like, I wish I could yep. uh, 
I wish I could get into some of that. I might have to, you know, look into it a bit more. Although I'm not far from finishing a master's degree, so I should probably, you know, <laughs> use that after I finish it. But we'll see. <laughs> you can always you can always do both. Yeah. I mean, there's also I mean, I'm I'm not one to like really buy into like grind culture necessarily like you should always have a side hustle going on constantly like i think that you should do things because you like to do them and that's why i do this is because i really enjoy doing it um if i didn't i wouldn't keep sending in auditions and getting turned away yeah (laughs) at the end of the day like i've continually gotten turned away for stuff for whatever reason it may be but like i mean i love doing it i want to do it i mean i'd love to do it for a living but until then i'm going to enjoy doing it when i do get the opportunity absolutely i mean i I heard you on the uh, 6.0 intro video. Oh yeah, I did that too. That's technically a job that I did. Unpaid. I did. I did that volunteer basis, but that was a fun one. I really enjoyed that. We did the. Oh, that was good. We did. We did the. Uh, the office. The par- yeah, the parody of the office local ad video. That was very so that funny. Was my favorite. My favorite part of that is. Uh, Breaking news isn't always what it seems and just like posting the Bob Nightingale tweet on the screen, which was my idea for the video. I came up with that. So I was very proud of myself for that one. The Bob Nightingale Trevor Bauer has signed with the Mets. (laughs) Oh, Bob. I'm Bob. Bobbed it. (laughs) Well, I know we've talked at length about Dungeons and Dragons, but let's do it some more. If you have to twist my arm, I guess. <laughs> so, did you get a chance to listen to Pitcherless Plays D&D? I have not. And also, it's not on the Pitcher List, because um, I was going to watch the stream. It's it's on YouTube. Oh, God. I was looking on the Twitch page, nope, and then they don't get saved after a while. Okay. It's on YouTube. Yeah. I need to watch it on YouTube then. Yes, I'm going to. I have not watched it yet. I'm going to watch it. It's fun. Yeah, you get to see. Some of the characters that you told me about are like A plus for just like punniness and just flavor. Very, very good. Yeah, we. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, myself, Nick Pollock, John Metzelar, Daniel Port all got together to do a baseball themed Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh, Mike Levy, a good friend of Nick's is our dungeon master and it's, uh, it takes place in this world where there's like 30 different kingdoms that are each the different, uh, teams. It's, it's a very fun concept and, uh, a lot of it was baseball themed and our players, our player characters that we were using, um were baseball themed as well for example my first character on there was named glass he was a goliath uh cleric of light uh who was a former pirate based off of tyler glasnow from the rays formerly of the pirates um very good uh, Nick was playing Soar Thunderguard, I believe was his name, a uh, human, oh, yeah. a human fighter uh, who had lost the ability to use one of his arms because he was cursed by the warlock Thomas John. <laughs> it's so bad, but it's so good, and th- it's very Nick, is what it is. It's very it's Nick. It's very Nick, and 
John Metzler's character was very John. He was playing Father Manny, a a a <laughs> cleric of the order of Ballism. <laughs> okay. Essentially <laughs> just he, he was basing it off of <laughs> He was basing it off of the commissioner. His weapon was a warhammer called the commissioner's gavel. And he, he was his, his his whole religion was based around worshiping spheres. It was the most ridiculous thing. The holiest of objects. Exactly. Yeah. It was the most ridiculous thing. And of course, John being the goofball, he has played it up super well. It was so much fun. I hope we can get that campaign up and running. Maybe maybe this coming off season. We we didn't really get it going this off season because things were a little yeah. crazy. But maybe next off season we can get that going again. That'd be great. But yeah, yeah. it's it was a ton of fun. Um and it really just goes to show that you can you can incorporate different themes into your role play game. Um yes. very easily. Very oh yeah, there's so there's so many ways to throw like flavor into your games and just make it fit any scenario like that. And like again, I D and D players are everywhere, and they're all so creative. Yeah. And in a play, like I mean, pretty much everywhere that I go at this point now, I find people who play D and D, no matter what community I'm in. Pretty much, like I mean, obviously, there's already like gaming centric communities that I'm in that it's clear that they're going to be people that are into the, that sort of thing but going into a fantasy baseball community i wasn't exactly expecting this many people to be into high fantasy things no the the and D. the overlap and the crossover is pretty large is, it's it's a circle it's the venn diagram is a circle basically yeah it turns out uh people who nerd out over baseball statistics and want to look deeper into you know xfip and woe bacon and things like that uh turns out a lot of them growing up watched tolkien oh yeah or read tolkien. Just, oh god it's yeah it's really nice to find nerds wherever i go honestly it's fantastic it's been it it made the environment it made me feel more welcome when i first came to the pictureless discord seeing that there was a D portion of the server oh, yeah. that i could go into and immediately just tuck myself in like yes this is home thank you yeah i've i've said it before and i'll say it again my favorite part of the discord server is the off-topic channels where we yeah it's the non-baseball stuff yeah we have a channel for D, a channel for movies video games books yep. which i rarely go to um <laughs> cooking which i rarely go to um okay the cooking channel is like one of my favorite ones personally like people make some dope stuff especially shelly my God, oh, Shelly is insane. Shelly needs to send me some recipes so that I can have Elizabeth make me them. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I don't even bother asking Shelly for recipes because like, I'm not I'm I'm a mess this up. I know no that way. I'll mess it up. But my wife is a fantastic cook. Oh, there you go. So okay. I, I she absolutely could could do some of those things. The thing is, Shelly's not even that far from me. So I think I could probably pay her to. Uh, make <laughs> make cookies for me and things like that. It's like I will pay you. I will come pick them up. Just leave them on your doorstep. I will not interact with you. Just give me that. I mean, just like she made like a sour, like an apple chai sourdough loaf a while back. That was just like I wouldn't even have thought to combine those things. But they're all things that I 
enjoy so much. She, the one, she has sent me one recipe for a blueberry lemon curd pie. Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's going to be one that uh, Elizabeth and I make sometime. It's. It, yes, the picture looked amazing. I, I, that's the issue is I, I cannot cook, and so every whenever I go to the cooking channel, I just look at things and I get hungry, and so <laughs> I, I, I try to avoid it because that's, that's that's like my whole thing is like watching cooking shows for me, uh, unless it's like Chopped where there's a twist and I want to see how people can yeah. work with a challenge. Unless it's like chopped or like kitchen nightmares, I don't enjoy watching cooking shows because I I would I know I would struggle to make that, so I don't want to try. Yeah. and then I get hungry anyway. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess I'll just have like a PB and J again. Yeah, let me go. Let me go microwave some chicken nuggets. Let me go make some oatmeal real quick. <laughs> Bag of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, make a heck of a bag of popcorn. Tell you what, <laughs> boy, oh boy, can I press? Can I press the number two on a uh, on a microwave? I'm real good at that. <laughs> God, uh, see, I worked in three different restaurant, or sorry, four different restaurants, so I have some cooking experience. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I I've been. I mean, I've just been like a line cook and like sous chef which is just a fancy term for line cook basically at the places where I worked. But like, I mean, I know my way around a grill, like a flat top and a fryer and everything like that. And just like have felt the absolute insane pressure and anxiety and then relief after it's done of a dinner rush on a weekend and just like standing in 120 over like 120 degree heat just within this kitchen that has very little ventilation because the fans aren't necessarily working the best right now. Um, yeah, so I actually really enjoy now cooking after not having to work in a restaurant anymore for the time being, because I can take my time with everything and I'm not rushed to do anything. Yeah. Um, it's a very therapeutic thing for me. So that's something that I like to do a lot too. Hmm. Not me. Not me, dog. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't for me. But Elizabeth, Elizabeth makes fantastic food for dinner. We had this, uh, Tilapia over rice with a like a lemon cream sauce. It's it's one of her regulars that she says is super easy, but I wouldn't know. It tastes great. It it's so tasty. That's the thing is like some of the stuff that is the best for me is the stuff that I don't have to put a lot of time into. Just like the very simple recipes that are like six things, seven things. Yeah. It's just uh, it's so nice. Yeah. Everyone keeps telling me cooking isn't that hard if you find a few simple good recipes. Yeah. And I just keep not attempting it. (laughs) The issue is I moved in with my wife immediately after college. So I went I went from my dad makes me food to (laughs) the college, you know, commons make me food to my yep. fiance slash wife makes me food. I've never, never had been... to fend for myself. I've never <laughs> lived alone. I never had to fend for myself. And so I, I, I meant to learn to cook and I forgot. Sometimes it happens, man. I mean, 
for me, like, I mean, I was never one that was in any need of like someone or to like cook for myself necessarily, but it was something that I wanted to do from a young age. Like I was very curious about it. Something that caught my attention. So like, I remember I had like a scar on the back of my hand from when I was like nine years old. And I was like, I just really want some biscuits right now. So I popped open a tin of Pillsbury biscuits at like nine years old. I don't know what the oven's supposed to be set to turn that, turn that thing to 500. Why not? That sounds right. (laughs) Cool. So it's like not enough. It's got, it's like an oven with like the coils still, just the hot coils inside. So then I take, put them in there. They're almost done. They're looking pretty good. It's like, Oh, they're kind of crispy on top, but they look like they're a little soft in the middle. I think I maybe turned it up too high. I'll take it out. There's another, there's a, there's a, there's another package of the, of the biscuits. I'll turn it down and I'll start a new one. But then when I reach in, I grab and I start pulling it out. I use the oven mitt. I was smart enough to do that, but I lifted my hand up too high and I put my hand right on one of the coils. It's like 500 degrees. Uh... Screamed, dropped it. Biscuits all over the floor, fell down, cracked my head on a cabinet. Oh, no. <laughs> Just like very uh, Three Stooges <laughs> level of like physical comedy with everything that happened. Oh, no. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that'll give you a, a real, real quick third degree burn there. An almost literal trial by fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty close. All over some Pillsbury biscuits. But that was my first foray into cooking. After that, it was a little bit smoother. Yeah, smoother but... from there. <laughs> At least I would hope so. <laughs> well, there was one other thing I want to talk about. You know, actually talk yes. baseball while we're while I have you here. We have to, I guess. I mean, it's it's generally recommended, is what I've been under what I've been told. What what it, what has been explained to me? I, I usually just don't listen to Nick. Yeah. It's voted well for me so far. I have my own podcast. You sure do, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You sure do. I actually do take a lot of notes from Nick. Nick, I, I, that was a lie. <laughs> Don't listen to Fast, though. <laughs> I feel like I've only talked to Fast like twice. Yeah, he's only- and the one time I was, and the one time was because I didn't set up my payroll. <laughs> yeah, he's he's only the guy that's in charge of paying you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I did want to chat about a few bold predictions. Opening day is tomorrow. Uh, you guys will be listening right. to this after opening day, but tomorrow's opening day. So we came up with a few bold predictions for the 2021 season that are, you know, some of them are fantasy based. Others are just general baseball based. But Jordan, why don't you go ahead? Lead us off here. What is give me one of yours? So my first one is based off of someone that I actually talked about in one of the episodes of In the Deep briefly. Um, it's that I think Adam Duvall is going to hit 35 or more homers this year for the Marlins. I like it. Uh, this is all banking on the fact that he hopefully doesn't lose time to J.J. Blade once J.J. Blade gets brought up, which is, I think, in eventuality that is inevitable. Yeah. But – Currently, he's pretty much unblocked for that. I believe it's the right field starting job there. Um, and he put up 16 homers last year when he was with the Braves. If he was still on the Braves, this wouldn't be a bet that I'd be making because, like, the dude would be up against now because there's no DH in the NL anymore. They, they're going to stick Ozuna in left and not him. Yeah. So they would have had Acuna in right, Pache in center, and then uh, Ozuna and left. There's no way he would have gotten like almost any playing time day to day. Is that a good offense? Uh, God, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, you you know you know all too well, my friend. Uh, I'm, 
<laughs> I will say that two of my bold predictions are like, well, one of them's directly Braves related. This one's slightly Braves related. It's I'm a, kind of playing it's to a the host here brave. a little bit. Yes. So uh, Duvall hit. He only had like a bad of like 240 last year, which is not good. But that's because he had 16 home runs in the shortened season. Yeah, it's pretty good. So many of his hits went over the wall. Yes, as it turns out. Uh, so, yeah, that is one of my bold predictions is that Duvall hits 35 homers. I think that it's not completely absurd. I'm hoping that the deadened ball from this year won't affect my prediction too much. We'll find out, though. I, I really don't think it will. He's got some massive power. I mean, in his two seasons with Atlanta, uh, albeit in the first one was only in 41 games, but he put up a 300-295 ISO in his two seasons with Atlanta. So yeah. dude's got some big pop. In My it, dude can rake. Yeah, in Atlanta, we call that Mamo. Mamo. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, a big home run is Mamo, a little home run is Yickety. I've literally never heard of either of these terms. It's it's an, it's only a Braves thing. These are uh, these are Chipper Jones terms. He he made them up towards the oh, end of his career. I should know this because I played high heat baseball when he was the cover cover star <laughs> back in like nineteen like nineteen ninety nine yeah. or something like that. He made these up like in around like two thousand twelve or something like that towards the end of his career. And Yickety and Mamo. Yickety is for little home <laughs> runs, and Mamo is for massive home runs. I like it. It's fun. I, I just want to know what the what the root of that vernacular is, and where that came from. I want to know where he, if that is just strictly him being creative, or if that's something that he drew from somewhere else. I will have to see if I can find like an article or something on it. Find I, me what is the what is the language of origin. <laughs> Let's, what let's, is the let's, etymology let's national... of yickety? Yes. <laughs> let's 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 scripts national spelling be this. <laughs> Actually, can you spell yickety for me right now? How do you spell yickety? Y i c k e t t y. That is not how I would have spelled it. <laughs> y i c k e t t y, and then mamo is m a m m o. That one is a, how I would have spelled it. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if uh, like, back in the day, Dan Ugla actually makes contact, he goes Mamo. That's true. Ugla goes Mamo. Or... I've been talking about Dan Ugla a very strange amount recently. He's come up in, like, four separate conversations over the past, like, 48 hours. I'm not That's too much Dan Ugla. That's way too much Dan Ugla. I was talking about him with Andrew Perpetua in uh, during Trivia Night last night. Dan Ugla came up. Uh, Dan Ugla came up today when I was talking to uh, Eleven, who is known by some of us in the Pitcherless Discord. Uh, yeah. Why am I talking about Dan Ugla so much? I mean, he's a beefy, he's a beefy lad. He is. He's He's got uh, biceps for days. He does. Like weeks even. I think we were talking about Dan Ugla's wingspan is what we were talking about, which is notably not very large. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I imagine that's not large. No. All right. So Adam Duvall, much like Dan Ugla of old, is in Miami going to hit 35 plus homers. Ooh, Look good, at good, good that. Good to bring that around. Full circle. We like that. that. So my first one, is, I'm heading up to up your direction, up to the uh, northern Midwest. I'm going to say Byron Buxton has a 30-30 season. This is going to happen 
I think this this is an an, an inevitability. God, I can't talk. Uh, I do voiceover sometimes. <laughs> You're a semi-professional voice actor. Semi. This is why I'm a semi-professional voice actor. Uh, I think that this is an inevitability if he actually manages to stay healthy for a full season. Yeah. He's just got all the tools to make it happen. Last year, like he didn't have many. He only had like two stolen bases last year, didn't he? He attempted three steals last year. Yeah. I don't know if he was injured from just, the go or what. I, I think he just really wasn't even on first base that much. Yeah, he he hit 13 homers. Uh, he had three doubles as well. Did you realize in 2019, in 87 games, he had 30 doubles? That's absurd. <laughs> 30 doubles in 295 plate appearances. I didn't realize that. That's a lot. That's a lot of doubles. Yeah. Um, yeah, Buxton is sick. If he manages to stay healthy, like, because a lot of his injuries have been, like, flukes, right? To a certain yeah. extent. Like, half of them just been, like, weird. Like, he ran into someone in the outfield and got, like, a concussion. He fouled the ball off his foot or his knee or something like that and got hurt for a while from that, I know. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of spring training, he broke a tooth this year. Okay, so I think I know how he did that, though. Have you ever, like, taken a bite of something before and accidentally bit down on the fork? No, Jordan, I can't say I have. Sometimes you're just going real hard on something. <laughs> he was eating a steak, so he was probably doing one of those things where you're like open mouth big. Like that. And I, I mean, I know people that have chipped their teeth on like by accidentally biting the fork because they bite down too hard. See, that's interesting because I I have a buddy in high uh, I had a buddy in high school who lost his two front teeth while playing center field. Uh, he, he was, he was in center going, running in for a ball. Second baseman's coming out. Neither of them really hurt each other calling for it. And his teeth, his front teeth went into the guy's head. He, he lost his front teeth and the second baseman needed stitches. Yikes. They lost two players on one play. Yeah. No. Yeah. Thank you. That's horrifying. But anyway. Buxton <laughs> is just he's he's, a, he's got so much talent and I would absolutely love for this to be true because I just traded for him in my dynasty league. So I've, yeah, I hope so too. I, I I will say that I hope unlike your friend's front teeth that Buxton season won't be lost to injury. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Full circle. I did it. You did I got it. one, too. I'm proud of you, buddy. All right, your turn. What do you got? All right, cool. You're going to like this one. I know you're going to like this one. You know what's coming. I do. I do. I do. Uh, I think that Ian Anderson is going to win the NL Rookie of the Year this year. Yes. God, I love uh, Anderson. The only reason I think that this is actually a bold prediction is because typically, I think only like three out of the last, like, 15 or some such thing like that uh rookie of the year winners or pitchers it's just almost always gone to a position player i feel like uh so not only that too i also think that he's got some pretty stiff competition in cabrian hayes yeah uh alec Alec Baum is still rookie eligible i think Maybe. he might be as well if he is too that's also more competition that i didn't think about but um like Ian Anderson, like he he doesn't have the best like stuff necessarily. You He's got good back. stuff, not the best stuff, but 
the thing that he has more so than most young pitchers is he's got really, really good command and control of his arsenal. Yeah. And he utilizes it well. So I think because of that, he kind of is a bit more mature, to put it in a certain term, I guess, uh, than other pitchers around his age. He's kind of figured it out a little bit quicker. I think that his ceiling may, may not be as high, but his floor is incredibly high. He's someone that I have very unfortunately not been able to get any shares of, even though he's been on my in my queue in multiple drafts this Same. season. It sucks. It's so bad. Um, but, yeah, I think that Ian Anderson. Also, I think that a lot of the voters also prioritize wins, and he plays for a team that has a very good offense, as we both know. Hmm. <laughs> even though wins are a very arbitrary thing that are not controlled by pitchers completely. Yeah. And can vary from team to team. Uh, yeah, I just really think that he's going to pull ahead as the favorite pretty early on and probably close it out at the end of the year and become rookie of the year for the NL. I'd love to see it. Um, Alec Baum is not rookie eligible. Okay. Uh, he had 160 at-bats last year and the cutoff is 130. Got it. Yeah. I, I do think that it's going to be between um, Anderson and Hayes. Anderson, Hayes, and someone that we've never heard of. As as baseball is want to be, because last year, can you could you well, honestly I, have said you'd heard of Jake Cronenworth prior to opening day last year? No, me neither. No clue. So it, uh, it'll be those two and someone we've never heard of. I got to think. Um, who is? I'm trying to think of another like rookie that I've noticed so far this spring that has been. I mean. I don't think it's going to happen because I haven't really think he's I don't think he's looked great in spring and I don't think he's going to get enough playing time. Haseon Kim. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. That's that's what I'm wondering, yeah. too. I don't think he's going to get enough, unfortunately. I, I, I think he's super interesting. And I'm kind of bummed that he's on the Padres because I'd love to see him as a starter. I, I would have loved yeah. for uh, Boston to pick him up to be their starting second baseman. That would have been awesome. Huh. I actually know. Well, okay. I really like. I'm, I'm someone who's actually very high on Enrique Hernandez. Same. I like I, the fact I like that he's Hernandez. banning at the top of their lineup. Um, and, but I think Kim also said that he wanted to win a championship. I think that was really important to him, and he felt like he'd have a better chance at doing that with the Padres. I think it's less important to him that he gets the full amount of playing time as it is for him to. Let's go fair. for the team overall victory. Yeah, because right now, uh, Roster Resource has Cronenworth at second. Obviously, Tatis is not going anywhere at short, yeah. uh, which are kind of Kim's one and two positions there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he could play some third base, but Machado's there. And I mean, yeah. Jerks and Profar is also a player that will play second as well. So right now, Profar is slotted in to play left. Uh, because Grisham is out. Um, once Grisham, oh. is, once Grisham is back, I, who's in center? Fam. Center right now is, is they're saying Fam. Yeah. Okay, so they had Fam shift over to center to cover that, yeah. and they're putting Profar and left. Got it. Okay, Myers that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So I imagine once Grisham comes back, he's in center. Myers is in left, and Profar is back to the bench. Yeah, I would uh, assume so. Unless Cronenworth forgets how to hit or something. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I just really love the versatility of that team because, like, I mean, you have Hosmer playing first base, maybe. Yeah. Um, if he needs to. Also, Will Myers can play first base. He can. Uh, you've so got can so many. 
yeah, you've got so many just like infield and outfield utility guys and they can throw people anywhere and they're going to play well. Oh, Cronenworth plays first, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's they really can fill so many holes so quickly and they don't really have to worry about depth. So, I mean, that's one thing that makes them even better than they are on their face. That's true. Yeah. Cronenworth plays all all, all uh, infield positions except shortstop. Profar plays all infield and outfield positions. So they've got two really good utility guys. Oh, God. Plus Ha Seung Kim, who should who would be a starter on most teams, assumably. Yeah. And the rich get richer. Yeah. And Jorge Mateo is also there. Just hanging out. I like Jorge Mateo, but there's no way he's getting any playing time. <sighs> Him and his 80 grade speed. It's sad. Isn't it? Well, my next one, uh, I'm going to go with, this is a fantasy focused one. I'm going to say that in a standard five by five league, um, with wins, strikeouts, etc. Lance Lynn is going to be more valuable than Walker Buehler. I agree with you. I think if you go uh, on a per inning basis, that's not true. I think Buehler will be better on a per inning basis. Oh, for sure. The issue is, I don't know how many innings the Dodgers are going to give Buehler. Yeah, Dodger, I just... Dodgeritis exists, and they also love to baby him. Yep, I mean he gets many blisters. He have he has he has lily white hands. They get many blisters. He's not a working man's pitcher. We'll put it that way. It's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's projected right now to get anywhere from like 150 to 170 innings, depending on the projection system. I don't think he's going to get 170. I don't think so either. Like, There's no way. 150 well, to 160 seems like a safe bet with without still, injury. I think. I mean, they have like eight people deep that they can go to that if they need starts. Nine, really, if they wanted to. Because I'm trying to think here. Who do they have? They have. Everyone. Okay, Bauer is going to pitch a buttload of innings probably just because of his contract. I don't, I don't think they're going to sit him. I think he's going to have a fairly high volume. So you've got Bauer. You have Kershaw, who I think is going to get more rest this year. Than he usually would. He should. Because I think they're going to try to like save his arm for the end of the season. Uh, Bueller, same kind of deal. Uh, then you have what? Urias, Gonsolin, May. David Price. Price. Uh, and then who else am I missing? Um, Let me see. I feel like there's an eighth. I feel like there is as well, I can but start. I cannot remember. Oh, um, 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 um. Goodness, what is his name? Can Jimmy Nelson still come in and start? Is he? Did he make the team? I don't know, uh, but they've got Dennis Santana, who is knocking on the door in AAA. Oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, Josiah White as well is their number. Oh, yeah. He's their number one prospect. He's in. Oh yeah, AAA here Jimmy Nelson. Well. Jimmy Nelson did make the team. Oh, like you. Jimmy Nelson is someone that previously had a starter's workload when he was with Milwaukee. Yeah, but he's he's had some really weird. I saw a graph. His spin rate on like all of his pitches went up by like 300 RPMs hmm. this year. I wonder. And if, his curveball uh, looked really good. I wonder if uh, Bauer is sharing his sticky stuff. Wink, wink. <laughs> Showing him his secrets. So I don't think that. Bueller will get very many innings, but I think Lynn will get a ton. Lynn He's going to be pushing 200. Lynn led the league last year in innings pitched with 84. 
over yeah. 13 games started. I projections have him anywhere from Zips has him for only 165. That seems silly, uh, but the no rest sense. of them are right at 190. So yeah. 200 plus, I think, is very doable for Lance Lynn, who is the secondary ace for a playoff hopeful Chicago White Sox. Exactly. When you have Giolito, Lynn, and then Dallas Keuchel as your top three, that's not a bad start to your rotation. And then Cease is like a huge. I mean, I'm super high on Cease. I'm bought in. I'd like for I I want Cease to succeed. I've. I've been burnt by him a few times. I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of amazed that Carlos Rodon is still a starter for that team. He didn't look bad this spring either. That's the crazy sure. part. He actually looked pretty serviceable. I don't. This know. I mean, really, he's a placeholder for Kopech. Yeah, at the end of the day, for sure. I am big on Michael Kopech this year. Oh yeah. Oh. I, I know they're starting him in the bullpen, which I think is a good plan. Get him get him slowly, slowly ramped up. But boy, oh boy, I think his stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. And I would love to see him by the end of the year just striking guys out. Big performance in the playoff for Michael Kopech I think would be a fantastic comeback story. When they finally unleash him, it's going to be very fun to watch. I'm, I'm also very excited for that. Like... The White Sox are basically because of this like very weird like Twitter alliance between Brewers fans and White Sox fans that's developed like with like Janice Scurrio yeah. and then there's um oh my gosh I'm trying to think of everyone else like Keelan and then there's a couple like Milwaukee folks like Amber and John that are on there as well like just super cool people but then there's like this very strange crossover in fandoms that go both ways and it's very heartwarming and a very nice little niche group that I found on Twitter. That's fun. It's very supportive of each other. Did you realize that uh, the White Sox picked up Billy Hamilton and Jake Lamb? Yes, both of them. Those are great bench pieces. I was super upset that the Braves released Jake Lamb. They did that earlier this week, and that that doesn't make sense to me. So They prefer Pablo Sandoval for some reason over Jake Lamb? I also think that's wrong, but it also, in another way, that's very selfish, <laughs> excites me because I made a board bet with Schwebzy about who would be more valuable in a standard five by five, like who would win five offensive cat or three of five offensive categories between uh, Austin Riley and J.D. Davis this year. Ooh! And I picked Austin Riley and I want him to play as much as possible and hit many dingers. Man, I, that is, I want I Riley to be good. I want him to be good. <laughs> He'll hit the ball far when he does hit it. When he hits it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. May not have been the smartest bet that I've made, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I it's I could see it happening. I I think you are uh you'd have the long odds in uh in Vegas. That's fine. I'll take it. I like the long odds. That's the only way I like to be. <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, give me one more of yours. All right, excellent. I am going to say that Devin Williams leads the Brewers in saves because Josh Hader is going to get traded. Nice. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We talked about this earlier in the episode, so I'm not going to rehash it again. But please trade Josh Hader for a third baseman or a first baseman that is real. That'd be great. Please. Yeah. Please. Uh, Yeah, I think. Begging you, Brewers. David Stearns, if you're listening to this, which you're absolutely not, I know that you're not going to hear this, (laughs) but I'm, I'm begging you, please. 
please just get us a, an actual real first or third baseman that we can stand behind and is actually going to produce for the love of God. I want you all uh, to know that Jordan was making was direct eye contact with the camera that whole time. I was, I was, I, I was, I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that Dave, this is a sentence I'm about to say. I'm really hoping that David Stearns has shooters at Skype that are relaying this information <laughs> to him, which isn't a thing, but that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I could, I could just, see this one happening. Uh, honestly, if, if hater goes, Williams absolutely immediately slots into that role. And yeah, I could see this happening. Yeah, I mean, I think that Williams maybe gets some off. Like, if Hader is pitched like two days in a row, and there's a save opportunity on the table, I could see him stealing a couple that way as well. Yeah, for just sure. by by the nature of how things unfold throughout the season. And yeah, I do think that Hader does get traded. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, I'm gonna do my last one on saves as well. Going down to Texas, I'm going to say that DeMarcus Evans leads the Texas Rangers in saves. Please elaborate on who DeMarcus Evans is, because even me being a deep league guy is like not I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know anything yeah. about DeMarcus Evans. So DeMarcus Evans is a 24 year old uh, right handed relief pitcher. He is yes. six foot four, and he has got some stuff. Seventy uh, grade fastball and a sixty grade curveball. Um, not the best command, though. He's one of those relief prospects that come up later in their career. So he's a, basically a twenty four year old rookie. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, he is coming off a lat injury. Um, he <sighs> suffered a lat injury during the off season. And so he's not supposed to be able to throw off a mound until mid-March. So it's going to be some time before he is on a professional field playing again. Okay. But I think he is going to make his way back. And I think he's going to be a big piece in the Texas bullpen by July, August. Okay. And here's the thing. Who else is going to get saves in Texas? In theory, it's got to be someone. In People th- think that it's Ian Kennedy for now. But right like, now, they sure do. I, uh, it's hard to say. Ian Kennedy. I mean, they're, they're, or... they're, they're not going to win many games. They're not going to win many games, no. period. So there's not going to be many save opportunities. Yeah. But so if oof. I think it's very possible that Demarcus Evans ends the year with like eight or nine saves and leads the team. I buy it. Okay. Yeah. I I can buy it. Yeah. I can buy it. It's such a weird, totally niche, like totally niche prediction, but I think it's definitely doable. Stranger things have happened. Honestly, certainly they gave him a cup of coffee this last year in Texas in which he pitched Four innings with four strikeouts. So that's all right. Not a bad start to your major league career. In 2019 in AA, he had 37 and two thirds innings uh, with 60 strikeouts and an 096 ERA. Ooh. So it's pretty spicy. That's 
that's not too bad. That, that, for those keeping track at home, that is a 41.4% K rate. That's pretty solid. So I like that. I like that one a lot. Yeah, it's it's a very fun one. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Mario in my Dynasty League for pointing this one out to me. He actually suggested this to me and said, "This is going to be the guy uh, in Texas." So shout out to Mario. Interesting. I'm okay. He's gonna he's gonna be someone that I do some research on after this is done, so I can uh, get a feel for him. Yeah, dude. I want I want to feel this out and see if it's legit or not. I'm I would love for that to happen. Let's finish out the show, as always, by answering your questions. So, Large Portion Podcast is devoted to answering your questions on air. So, if you have questions for me or my guest of the week, tweet them to me directly at Brostowski, or even easier, join the PL Plus Discord server where I ask every week about what kind of questions you might have for my guest. That's where I got these questions this week. We already kind of covered Nick Pollock's question. He wanted to know. Uh, he wanted to know about your first uh, voiceover gig and any tips on getting into it and stuff like that. You you covered that pretty well overall. Anything else left you I, have to say about it? I did say what my first actual paid gig was. I did. <laughs> I did uh, try to record one like when I was very first starting out and I was not good at all. I tried to record a commercial for my dad for his gym. And he turned me away. Oh, no. <laughs> you got turned so, down by your father. I did. I did. It's, it's, it's because he wanted to voice it himself and he got like taken to the radio station and they let him record it there and stuff like that. I was going to record an ad for the like local radio, AM radio station, and I got turned away because of that. It wasn't a bad ad. It's just that he wanted to read it himself. <laughs> I did write the copy that he read, though. Well, there you go. So there is at least that. So that's nice. Your blueprint's on there. Yes. Alexander Chase wants to know, do you have any opinion on Clue, the board game, replacing Mrs. White with Dr. Orchid, effectively clearing the White family name after 70 years? Honestly, this is white erasure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's an awful sentence to say. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, unfortunately, it doesn't really clear our family name because my family still does have a pension for murder. <laughs> oh, no. Also kidding. Once again, um, <laughs> I genuinely. OK, so like I'm kind of a board game snob. Clue's not that bad, but I also don't like Clue very much. I think that people should play Mysterium instead. I don't know if you've played Mysterium before. I haven't. Is, Austin. It, is it similar to like uh, Werewolf is, and Mafia? No. So it's a cooperative game oh. where one person plays the ghost that got of the person that got murdered and everyone else is like psychic mediums. And if you've ever played the game Dixit before, essentially what you're doing is you're trying to hint to people how you were murdered. But the only way that you can do it is you can't speak to them. You give them visions which are little cards that have different like art on them with different like objects or like things in there. So you're trying to get them to focus in on one very specific portion of this photo. Like say you're trying to tell them that you were murdered in, in like, or sorry, murdered with like a book or something like that. So maybe you have a photo of like a room, but in the back of the room, there's a bookcase and that's the thing that you want them to focus on. That's the key component, but they have to figure that out themselves. So you only have a certain amount of time to try to like help them ascertain how you were killed, where you were killed, and by who. This is Mysterium? 
Mysterium, yes. I am going to be looking this up. There, I feel like in the last past decade, there's been a lot of, there's been like a wave of cooperative board games. Yes. Which is such a good thing. Like Pandemic uh, is not only topical, but it's a very fun game. Yes. A little less so now, obviously. No, more so. (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes you win. Yeah, that's true. Not in America. Hmm. <laughs> Soon, hopefully. Uh, but maybe. Uh, I, so yeah, I, I'm kind of a snob on board games. I actually used to manage a board game store for Other a brief while. I didn't know about you. Yes, I've so I've I've had a lot of odd jobs. I've been I've I've worn many many hats and continue to wear many hats. Um, but yeah, so I'm very much a board game snob. So don't play Clue. Play Mysterium. Much better game. Highly recommended. I am going to be absolutely looking into this please whenever someone buys a game that i recommend to them it makes my heart sore yeah it's like not sore as in like hurt it makes it sore as in like fly yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry gotta be more specific um but yeah, I love recommending games to people. I mean, if you're looking for other game racks, feel free to, if you join the PL Plus Discord, or if you just want to, like, shoot me a message on Twitter if you want game racks, always happy to give game recommendations. Guys, we have a board game channel. One, again, those off-topic channels, we have a board game channel. It's great. It's fantastic. It's probably one of my favorite ones. I'm a huge, like, Magic the Gathering nerd, too. So if you want to talk about Magic the Gathering, we can also talk about that. But nice. I try to keep that a little more low-key. Yeah, you're just the 100% Wizards of the Coast shill. Yeah, a little bit. I'm <laughs> less so on Magic the Gathering now than I used to. I still play it occasionally. But yes, I do love me some Wizards of the Coast product. Same. Now, Ben Brown, one of our local beer aficionados... Wants to know, what are some of your favorite Milwaukee breweries? So there's like the very obvious, like more popular ones that are a little bit more widespread. So like Lakefront Brewery is a pretty good one. There's Mm. a good variety of beers there. For those that don't know, there's a tour for the Lakefront Brewery that when you go there and go through, they actually have the beer line from Laverne and Shirley. And like the opening of that show back in the day where they were working on the line making, I can't remember what the beer was called in the show, but it's the thing where they take and they place the glove on top of the bottle and it goes along the beer line and they're like waving at it sort of thing. So every time you go on a tour there, they show you that and two people get to recreate the opening to Laverne and Shirley. That's cool. Uh, you also get to put if for, for people that don't know what beer is, you take a keg and some like kegs used to have this thing called the bung which is like a cork or like a rubber stopper that you had to take and hit with a hammer or a mallet to actually get stuck in there when it would go into the keg. Uh, that's where the term bunghole comes from. Is that true? Yes, I absolutely. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically someone gets to do that and then they become the bung king or bung queen for the entirety of the tour. So the, the big thing about that is that they always have like local stand up comics that work there essentially that are doing the tours in normal times, obviously. So they're always very funny and very fun to like go around the brewery with. So as far as a tour goes, I really like that one. If you're going somewhere to actually drink beer, I recommend company brewing. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite ones. It's in river, the river West neighborhood, uh, smaller more of a microbrewery, but they have a ton of like really 
very nice, very niche stuff. Um, personally, for the stuff that they have right now, I'd probably recommend the alphabetical order Pink Guava Ghosts or maybe the Space Whistle Mosaic IPA are the two that I probably like the most that they have right now. So if you're looking for Milwaukee breweries, those are two both for a tour if you're here in Milwaukee at any point post-pandemic or want to get good beer. Those are the two that I would recommend. Very nice. I think I'm while you were doing, I was trying to look up and see if I could find the cocktail bar that I went to for my bachelor party. I might have found it. No, that's not it. Shucks. Do you know where, like, was it near anything in the city? It was like notably. It was very near uh, that. It was very near uh, Safe House. Like, I think we walked. Ooh, boy. Um, let me look here. No, I'd love to find it so that I could recommend it because it, it was phenomenal. So it's, it's in downtown Milwaukee. Let's take a peek here. Let's take a quick peek. Exactly. Was it... Was it Bugsy's? Was it Camp Bar? Was it... I'm having to, like, look at pictures to remember, like, what places looked like. Oh, God. I know. Oh, actually, so one that you should go to... If you're ever back in Milwaukee after post-pandemic, here's a here's a good recommendation for cocktails. Go to Tin Widow. Tin Widow is probably one of my favorite cocktail bars to go to. I remember like back when cool Avengers name. Endgame came out, they did like a whole series. Straight up, of, that was the one. It was Tin Widow? Yeah. That was the one uh, I went yeah. to. Yeah. Let's I'm looking go. at the pictures now. That is the it's one. Fantastic. So that one, go to that one. If you're ever in Milwaukee again, the second one that I'll recommend, because I'll do another cocktail bar, because they're people that I know uh, and have worked with before in terms of doing. So I did this thing called the Night Carnival, which was a live, interactive, immersive theater thing that is also a carnival for kids and families. That sounds fun. Uh, which is pretty dope. I got to play a character in that. Uh, so the guys over at Lost Whale, which is a bar on the south side of Milwaukee in Bayview, in that uh, neighborhood, uh, is I personally think just as good, if not better, than Tin Widow. Right on the same level. So if you're ever in Milwaukee and you want a really good drink, Tin Widow and Lost Whale, two places to go. Great recommendations. Yeah, Tin Widow, very neat uh, place. Great, uh, great chill atmosphere. Very good bartenders. Yes, absolutely. They were fantastic. I've I've only been there like three or four times, but it's always just been. Above and beyond. Yeah. they So good. After I ordered a gin and tonic, he gave me that second one with the no lets for free. It was because yes. it was my bachelor party. It was so cool. He was a great guy. Super dope. Well, Jordan, that's about all we've got. So. Two and a half hours later, look at us go. Hey, don't worry. It's only two hours. Remember, we talked at the beginning for 20 minutes before we, uh, before we started recording. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But yeah, it's been a pleasure, my friend. So any any closing thoughts or anything? Oh, man, this is fun. I'm glad that we finally got to sit down. Like uh, you're someone that I wanted to hang out with a bit more, honestly, because I feel like we did have a lot. Like, I feel like we do have a lot of commonalities 
and a lot of similar like just like views in general and a, a good energy as well i always get a good vibe on your energy nice when i was like hanging out with you so that was always really nice and i miss the nights where i got chances to interact with you when we were playing among us and stuff like that so this is really nice just to get to like sit down and hang out honestly we need to bring among us nights back well the new map is out now so we're gonna get the crew back together pretty soon heck yeah so at that point uh hopefully like next week monday or the following monday maybe we can get the whole crew back together to play one more time absolutely i would be totally down for that sick alrighty man yeah, well, one more it. time where can the people find you on the twitter so on the twitter you can find me at bunt singles and you can also find our podcast that Schwebzy and I have at in the deep PL very nice alrighty well Jordan thank you very much for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure and for all you listeners we'll catch you next time on the list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.